and welcome to Notes from the Way. My name is Richard. This is a weekly podcast where we look at what it means to live as a Christian in the 21st century. Today we're going to look at a couple of issues where the same kind of theme comes in, which is how do we react to people who are in sin, whether they're inside the church or outside the church. And just want to encourage you, if you have any questions or comments as you listen to this, come by and visit the blog that goes with this podcast, which is notesfromtheway.blogspot.com. Uh, leave a comment there or email me at nftw, that's nftw as in notes from the way, at sbcglobal.net. I love hearing from people. It's always good to know what you think. And uh, just as I go along, keep in mind that this week I have a cold or a sinus infection or something going on. So if my voice sounds kind of odd, there's a reason for it. Uh, so anyway, please forgive the way this uh, might sound. And uh, we'll go to a story from the news. Okay, and I have a news report here from California, actually, where I live. The California Supreme Court has ruled that doctors cannot withhold with fertility treatments from gay or lesbian couples based on the doctor's religious beliefs. Apparently, there was a, a case that came before the Supreme Court here in California where a lesbian couple sued doctors in Southern California here because the doctors refused to uh, help them conceive a child because they didn't the doctors didn't believe in the lesbian lifestyle they didn't believe it was correct so they referred these uh, this couple to another doctor who was able to help them conceive the lesbian couple sued for uh, discrimination and because we have such uh, stringent anti-discrimination laws in uh, California the doctors were the doctors who refused treatment were held liable they had a couple of thoughts about this. One, it is pretty egregious that somebody who has a sincere religious belief can't express that belief, especially when it comes to the homosexual lifestyle, without being sued. I think that's a real overreach of uh, anti-discrimination laws uh, because mostly any law like that, you're able to express your beliefs, especially a private company like the, like this doctors had, like these doctors had. You're able to express your beliefs without fear of, of reprisal. But the other thing I just wanted to touch on is the fact that we need to realize as believers that we are living in a completely different world than uh, we ever have before, especially in America. Because this is not a Christian nation. If it ever was, it certainly is not a Christian nation now. We don't have a background or a foundation of Christian thought and Christian morality anymore. And we, we need to realize that as believers. If we don't, we're going to risk uh, just completely being wiped away and washed away by the culture. But our response to it is what I really want us to look at here. In California, we have a uh, proposition that the voters are going to be voting on in November that would uh, ban gay marriage uh, as and make it a constitutional amendment that gay marriage was not allowed in, in California. And I have mixed feelings about it because I don't believe in gay marriage. I don't believe in, I don't believe that God blesses gay marriage or gay unions, just like I don't believe he blesses necessarily any union of unbelievers. But I want us to think a little bit about the example of Jesus. When Jesus dealt with and spoke to and hung out with sinners, what was his example? What did he do? It came to mind for me a, a few examples. The, the woman at the well in John chapter 4, 
Zacchaeus, the tax collector, the woman in John chapter 8 who was caught in adultery, even a couple of Jesus' own disciples. Matthew, who was also a tax collector. Remember, tax collectors in that day were basically thieves for the government. They would take as much as they could and keep whatever whatever was left over for themselves. And Simon, who was called a zealot in the, uh, in the New Testament, which means he was plotting the overthrow of the Roman government. So Jesus hung around, and there's other examples, but Jesus hung around some really questionable characters in his day. And how did he deal with it? The one thing we noticed is that Jesus wasn't concerned with changing the laws of Rome. Uh, he wasn't concerned with changing the laws of uh, even of Palestine. But he was actively engaged in loving and being around sinners. He never embraced their lifestyle. He never embraced their sin. But in John chapter 4, he talks to this woman who's been married five times and she's living with another guy. And he just loves on her. He just tells her the truth. And that truth is enough to break free. And if you notice, she goes and tells other people about Jesus before she takes care of her own personal situation. Do you ever notice that in the story? She runs back to the village after she's seen that Jesus is who he says he is. She runs back to the village and she starts telling other people about Jesus, the Jesus she just met. There's no word that she goes back to her home and says to the guy she's living with that he has to get out. She just goes and tells other people about the Savior she's just met. Zacchaeus repents, but after Jesus says, I'm going to come to your house and eat today. And after the religious people around him were saying, oh, he can't eat with sinners. Does, this guy, does Jesus know who this guy is? But I just want us to take a moment and think about what it means to respond in love. Even to people that are sinful, even to people we disagree with violently, not violently, let me rephrase that. Even with people that we disagree with vehemently, we need to respond with the same kind of love and compassion that Jesus did. That means loving the person wholeheartedly, without reservation, without conditions, loving them. You know, I think that if Christians were more involved in taking care of and loving, just loving the people around us, even the ones that have the lifestyle we don't agree with, even the ones that, who have political views we don't agree with, I think we'd see something tremendous happen in the culture. The uh, Salvation Army has a great motto. One of their slogans is, we're saving the world one person at a time. I think that's the important thing here is that we need to be less concerned with saving the world and be more concerned with saving the person in front of us. Not in a political sense, not in a, uh, a sense that we're going to change the culture, but we're going to introduce the people around us to the love and the compassion and the truth about Jesus. That's what Jesus did. And I'm not saying not to be involved politically. I think we should all be involved in politics and in the the government and the things around us but we need to remember that we aren't here to legislate and make people act holy we're here to see people introduced to and become disciples of jesus christ that's what jesus was involved in and that's what we should be involved in too we can make people behave the way we want them to without changing their hearts But what we are here to see as Christians is to see God's love and grace and mercy and truth change people and have them become children of God and disciples of Jesus Christ. And that's what I think our focus should be. So anyway, just a thought. If you have any comments, jump over to the blog at notesfromtheway.blogspot.com and let me know what you think. 
Okay, I just wanted us to turn to the scriptures for a moment to see what Jesus says about uh, some things that are going on in the body today. It's been about a week, I guess, since uh, the whole situation with the Lakeland revival has really come to a head, and I guess it's pretty much ended now. Uh, where the, if you haven't heard about the Lakeland Revival, it was a big uh, outpouring, the supporters the supporters would say, it was a big outpouring of the Holy Spirit, where people were being healed and even raised from the dead, and it's been going on for several months now. The detractors of this event, I'll call it for lack of a better word, have been saying that no, this is a uh, something from the devil, that it's been uh, you know, filled with false prophecies and just all kinds of uh, weird, unusual happenings that were not from God. I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure exactly what I believe. I think a lot of the things that happened were probably man-centered rather than God-centered, which is always a problem. But I don't also discount the fact that God can work even through people who are deeply flawed. But it's come out in the last uh, week or so that the person who was in charge, uh, or kind of the central point of the Lakeland revival, was involved in some uh, immorality, to be quite honest. And he has stepped down and stepped away from the whole situation. And this has become a time, and if you read uh, things on the internet and in uh, magazines about this situation, a lot of people have been jumping on this, the case, especially of this one gentleman who was, uh, like I said, the main evangelist involved. Really been uh, just tearing him up in a lot of uh, areas. It's gotten me to thinking about how it is that we should treat people who get caught up in sin. And the passage that keeps coming back to my mind is this one from Galatians chapter 6. It's verses 1 and 2 where Paul says, Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, it seems to me that we don't do much of this in the church. It seems to me that instead of trying to restore people gently, that often when somebody, especially when it's somebody who's controversial like this guy has been, and there's been, you know, not allegations, there have been claims, like I said, of all kinds of healings that weren't really verified, and resurrections that weren't really verified, and prophecies that didn't exactly come true. All kinds of things going on in this uh, revival, if, if it was such. But the fact is that now we have a situation where we have a person who claims to be a brother in Christ. I don't have any reason to think that he's not. And he's been caught up in a sin. He stepped away from all of his preaching and all of the evangelism things that he had going on for a time of healing and restoration. It seems to me we have only one choice as believers, according to the scripture, and that is that we gather around this person and we seek to have him restored gently. Now, here's the problem that I have, and a lot of people brought this up. Well, he was involved in deception. That's what they'll say, that he was a deceiver. And now that he's been exposed for what he really was, we just need to... to get rid of him, just forget about him. Here's the thing. He may have deceived people. I don't know that he did it intentionally. Maybe his theology is really bad. I think that that much is probably pretty clear. Uh, maybe he wasn't a great student of the word, but I don't see anything that would indicate to me that he was a deceiver intentionally. And I think that's a big, big, big distinction. Jesus was really hard on the Pharisees. He was really hard on the Jewish leaders who were deceiving people into making them think, make the people think that God was somebody that he wasn't. But when he got with people who were in sin, he was the different kind of person. If you look at how he handled Nicodemus, for instance, 
Nicodemus was searching for the light, but he hadn't found it. And Jesus, you know, Jesus chided him. He gave him a little poke every once in a while. But, you know, he spoke to him clearly and told him the things of God that he needed to hear without reproach and without uh, blasting him like uh, Jesus did with some of the other uh, Jewish leaders. And here we have a situation in, you know, speaking of today in uh, you know, 21st century America where somebody who's a controversial figure has been shown to be in really just bad, bad sin situations. And you know what? I don't see any other option that we have except to gather around him in love, support him, and restore him and remembering that we could be tempted just as easily if we were in the same situation. You know, that verse 2 of chapter 6 in Galatians where he says, Carry each other's burdens and in this way fulfill the law of Christ. You know, we need to be there when somebody has a burden that they can't handle. We need to be there as the rest of the body to gather up and just take that burden over and fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? What did Jesus give as his commandment to the disciples? Love one another as I have loved you. And when we do that, we show that we love Jesus. So we can disagree with a person's theology all we want, and it's good to disagree, and it's good to question when something's going on. It's good for us to say, is this really what God is doing? It's good for us to say, is this really the way God works in the world? Is this really, does the teaching here match up with what God has already shown us? But when you have a brother who's been caught up in sin, and who is apparently repentant. Our job at that point is to stop the criticism and to minister. And also minister to the people who have been caught up in this whole revival wave because a lot of people are gonna end up hurt here. And our job is to stop the criticism and start the healing. And we can stand up for truth and we should always stand for truth. I mean, when you restore somebody, we're restoring them to a better state and a better relationship than they had before. That's our job as believers, is to love and to keep on loving until that person who's in sin is restored to their relationship with their father. God doesn't want us just to have the right theology. Uh, he wants us to have a right relationship with him. And so that's our job when we find a brother or a sister in sin, is to restore that person to a right relationship with God and to do it gently. And so I hope we can do that in this situation. I hope that this brother has surrounded himself with people or people will come around him who will help him to restore that kind of relationship with the Father. And I hope that you will join me in praying for him and for all of those that have been affected uh, in this Lakeland revival situation. Okay, well that's all we have for this week. I hope you've been encouraged or inspired or motivated in some way to uh, walk more closely with our Lord. I just pray that you'd be uh, blessed in the week ahead. Again, if you have any questions or comments, go to the blog, which is notesfromtheway.blogspot.com. I look forward to hearing from you there. And until next week, God bless.